1: on the Garage Beers Podcast. Well, it's week 13, and we've got another special guest joining us. It is the host of Bullseye in the Afternoon, the radio play-by-play voice of the Lake Erie Crushers, Andy Bull Barch. our good friend, joins us in the garage. Bull's going to talk to us about his journey up to the Crushers, the Frontier League season, and what's happening in independent baseball right now. Plus, we'll talk MLB, we'll talk NBA, we'll talk some Saturday Night Live, and his five-week-old baby will make an appearance. All that, plus our Garage Beers of the Week. So come on up the driveway, pull out your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome everybody to episode thirteen of the Garage Beers Podcast, lucky number thirteen. Uh, we've got another really special guest here tonight. We're really uh, excited about that. Uh, but first, joining me in the garage, as always, as our, our our normal crew uh, of of rowdy individuals over there on the east side of Cleveland, we got Chad Meyer out in his out in his garage, uh, looking beautiful over there. Chad, what's going on, buddy?
2: Hey, man. Hey. Oh, it's it's dude. It's a, it's it's warm in the garage. The beer is cold. <laughs> I've got my smart food pop popcorn. Right now as a little snack. Uh, just I mean, in for my money, it's the greatest snack of all snacks. But uh, we can get into that later. But I'm feeling good, guys. Let's let's do this,
1: Chad. You got to let us know if you're going to drop a good podcast topic before we start the podcast. We could talk great snacks, but I have to prepare for that. So now we all get to listen to Chad eat some popcorn. And now we can't even argue about what the greatest snack is of all time, but it's cool. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the podcast over there. We'll see what beer you're drinking in a bit. Uh, Still up here in the Cleveland area, not joining me in the garage, but out in Avon. Joey Whalen, what's going on, Joe? I did it.
3: And it's so timely because I talked about how crappy I am at golf last week. Uh, But I hit an eagle, my first ever eagle. Oh, and you know what? The best part is. Is it landed my drive on a par four landed on the green, uh, but not before hitting a couple trees on the way to the green.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, wait a minute. <laughs> Joe, Joe's <laughs> drive and my drive were going in the same place. I couldn't find my ball, but Joe's kick off a tree and bounced five feet from the hole on a par four. Oh my god. <laughs> and he stepped up, ice water in his veins, yeah. sunk the putt.
2: So there was no skill whatsoever; it was just a stroke of luck.
1: I mean, he sunk the putt. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. i got a no.
3: putt shot song in
1: <laughs> It was awesome, though. Hey, you take an eagle, however you can get it, man. Yeah. I would so.
3: too. Believe me, I would too. I I have followed that up with a, a triple bogey after that too.
1: You did. You you went from eagle to seven, but it's cool. Like nobody. Yeah, I, you, you had the eagle.
3: Have you guys never got a hole
2: in one. Any no. Of you? Yeah, I've had one. I've had I've had I'm one.
1: Lucky bastard.
2: Yeah, the, the <laughs> 175 par three at uh, Aurora Country Club. Yep, Sure happened. That's I, awesome. I mean, I didn't I'm... believe it myself. I'm like, did I go up this hill?
1: No. <laughs> one day, I'm gonna. One day, I'm gonna keep playing, and I don't know. I, like, I feel like I have to hit. I'm, I'm, I feel happy when I hit the green on a par three, <laughs> as opposed to a hole-in-one. I don't even know what I would do. But anyways, I told you we have a special guest here tonight. We heard from Chad, we heard from Joe, and now we're going to bring in the current host of Bullseye in the Afternoon on uh, WEOL out in Illyria. Uh, also still the radio play-by-play voice of the Lake Erie Crushers from the Frontier League. Uh, we've got a, a very special friend, a good friend of ours. Uh, Andy Bull Barch, what's going on, Bull?
4: Boy, let me just begin by saying what an incredible honor it is to be here. I mean, I'm following the likes of Tim Alcorn, Al Snow, Jay Crawford, Cecil Shorts. I mean, I'm not so sure, based on all that, that you guys are getting better with your guests if you're bringing me on (laughs) after an A-list, you know, list like that. That's pretty incredible, but I'm happy to be here. And Joey, holy crap, man, you can't suck at golf and get an eagle. That's incredible. I I think I've only driven the green on a par four once, and I can guarantee you I'm a worse golfer than you, and I three-putted my way to a par. So the fact that you sank that eagle putt, pat yourself on the back and don't ever tell anybody about getting a seven after following the eagle. You just tell the story about the eagle and nothing more after that. Well done.
3: I'll keep that one to myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, like I said, I don't care how many trees it hits. If it gets to the green, I I actually went up and asked a guy there was a guy in the other hole and I went up and asked, I said, did you see where where any of those balls came? And he goes, well, I saw the last one and it hit a tree and got a good bounce, but I didn't see where it wound up. Well, there it was five feet from the hole. So it's okay. I still won the round, but, uh, but Joe had the Eagle. So bull (laughs) welcome in. You do belong in the group. Uh, uh, we're super excited to have you. I think we're going to have a really good time just kind of, kind of shooting the shit on, on on what's going on in the world and sports and everything right now. And uh, and we're, we're super excited that you're here. We know, we know we're going to have a good time. So what we always start with, before we get into all of our topics and everything that we do, what we always start with, we always start with our garage beers of the week. So we go around the horn, we tell what we're drinking, give a little description, a little rating, and then we pass it on. So we always allow guests to go first. So Bull, what is your garage beer of the week this week?
4: Okay, so here's what I've got. Avon Brewing Company. Quick shout out, Matthias Hauck. He's the brew. He's the brewmaster down there at Avon Brewing Company, Detroit Road and 611. Just a fantastic brewery, and the food is outstanding as well. I've got what is called the Amarillo Frost. It's an IPA, and it actually kind of tastes like an orange creamsicle. It's crazy. Like, there's not a whole lot of bitterness to this thing whatsoever. It is just sensational. I know you guys like the Simpsons, right? You guys are all Simpsons fans here, correct? Of course. So I've got to show you the, gl- the glass in which I poured this thing into. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's a big Duff beer glass.
1: Yeah, that's good.
4: One of the absolute greatest Simpsons episodes of all time where the Duff man shows up and Barney's there. Duff man, I thought you told me if I slept with you, I wouldn't have to kiss the drug. Duff man says <laughs> a lot of things.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would be lying if I said I didn't go as Duffman to a few college Halloween parties. I'd be lying. I'd be lying if I said I didn't.
1: <laughs> so, the Duffman Glass Avon Brewing Company makes its first appearance on Garage Beers of the Week. Let's keep it in Avon and let's go to Joe. What's your Garage Beer of the Week this week, Joe?
3: Um, going local to Ohio, I have uh, uh, the Brew Kettle White Raja, Ra? mm-hmm. Classic. Raja. Classic. I think Raja. Raja. Okay. I think there's an H after the A at the end. It's Raja. Correct. It's incredible. It's you nailed nailed it. It's nice and can I just say something about the before we get to the beer, the brew kettle logo logo? Uh, it's like it would be like the perfect like baseball jersey logo. Like that, right smack dab on a baseball jersey. I hope they got to have a city team somewhere sponsored. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I'm sure. Anyway, Strongsville. Nice little merch idea for the brew kettle. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's a it's good it's a 6.8 percent ipa uh you know not not incredibly bitter nice bitter aftertaste but a little fruity on the front end so uh, uh it's a good time
1: boom so and
2: as always and as always if anybody's in the brew kettle's listening uh contact joe mike or myself or any <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: spice, spice chad's always always out there hunting chad always out there hunting Second appearance for the brew kettle. The (laughs) first appearance for the brew kettle was Jake Crawford and his own face on a beer. So not quite that level, but White Raj has a classic. It's a great beer. Chad, what's your beer of the week?
2: Well, I think this is going to be our first uh, appearance for Fathead's Brewery. So uh, uh, another one coming on. This is the uh, Benjamin Danklin. Uh, It's an IPA, but uh, my wife does the grocery shopping orders. uh, So always an excuse I have but an you have an ipa
1: almost every week
2: sucks believe me believe me my next two beers are 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 something i, I didn't i i would have brought them on but um we've already had southern tier last week so <laughs> so so southern tier are my next two beers it's not an ipa but i figured since we haven't had fatheads this week or, or at all on the show yet fatheads is it so it, it it's it's full of Lupulin hops or something, <laughs> and and it's and it's way too piney for me. So, but so I'm just going to choke through this, and then get to my you know better beers. So we're going to be good to go after this. But uh, no, it, it, Benjamin Danklin, here's the first sip. Let's see. Okay, okay, not too bad, not too bad, not too bad. And, I, you know, I I, I
1: usually. We are trying to bring this guy around to IPAs, and he just won't do it. Well,
4: the the complexity with these IPAs, man. There's so many different kinds these days. I mean, you can get IPAs that taste, you know, kind of like that. You guys, have you guys brought the Stone Cold one, out, the Broken Skull Ranch one? Have you guys had one right. of those in the show yet? I have. I have. Yeah. See, that's like a nice earthy IPA. I mean, IPAs go from that to being, I guess, a little bit fruitier too. That was for week on one. The run of the spectrum. Obviously, very piney as well, like you mentioned, Chad. So. You're expanding that beer palette of yours, my friend. Well done. I'm proud of you.
1: Sure. You know. I feel like like they could have put (laughs) rancid (laughs) milk in a glass and said it was from Stone Cold Steve Austin and Chad would have been like, this is good. This is good. I like this. (laughs) True. Very true.
4: Yeah.
1: All right. So I'm going to go with mine. Uh, And I I went very local here uh, to my hometown brewery. I went to the Rocky River Brewing Company and I picked up a growler. I saw that they put this back on tap recently and it's one of my all time favorite beers, even though I don't usually, I'm not much of a Hefeweizen guy. Uh, uh, they, they just don't sit right with me a lot of the time. But uh, one of my favorite beers of all time is called Subchaser, and it's a Hefeweizen from uh, the Rocky River Brewing Company. It's, it's, uh, it's like banana-y and clove-y and it's just, it is awesome Uh, so, uh, our first appearance from my hometown brewery, the Rocky river brewing company sub chaser, uh, if you've never had it, uh, stop over. They are open now. They've got a great patio, uh, pick up a sub chaser and you'll see what I'm talking about. It is delicious. So that concludes this week's garage beers of the week. And, uh, let's get into, uh, let's get into some stuff here. Cheers on the garage beers boys. All right, so now we're going to get into, before we get into what's going on in the world and sports and all that stuff, uh, let's get into just a little bit about you both for, for uh, those of our listeners that are uh, unaware of, of you and your prowess in the, uh, in the play-by-play booth and over there on WEOL. Um, you know, right now, obviously, we said what you're doing right now. You're, you're working, uh, you've got your afternoon show on EOL. You're still working with the Crushers, doing play-by-play. But I want to take it back. I want to take it back to when I first met Andy Bullbarch back in 2002, 2002, I think it was 2002 at Bowling Green State University, uh, where I was just a, a bright eyed young freshman coming in. And, uh, and I I heard about this organization that's already been talked about once on this podcast with Jay Crawford, the Bowling Green radio sports organization. And that's where I first ran into Andy Bullbarch, uh, Bull, talk about, you know, you've got this broadcasting career that we're going to talk about a little bit, but, but talk about your time at BG and and the BG RSO and how that kind of kickstarted everything for you.
4: Well, my time at BG was awesome. Enjoyed every last bit of it. And I remember the first day I was on campus, I had heard a little bit about the organization and it was as simple as making a phone call and doing the whole sports talk thing, play by play thing. That was something I always wanted to do. And I had heard good things about BG's broadcast program. I did not know much about the BG RSO until I landed on campus and then made a couple calls. They said, Hey, we meet on Tuesday nights over at West Hall, which as you know, no longer exists. So, so sad, I, you know, it's, it's very sad. I remember everything about that building. I loved every, every bit of it, but anyways, you know, I show up to this meeting Tuesday night and these guys are just sitting there batting the breeze or talking about sports, having a great time, Learned a little bit more about the organization and, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. Here we are 20 some odd years later. And, you know, a lot of guys that were either in my class or maybe a class above me, those guys all went on to do pretty special things. And, you know, you talked about Jay Crawford, Dave Dino, D'Itali, who of course works at WKYC, Channel 3, uh, you know, Steve Mears, who was a year ahead of me. He, for a couple of years, was the voice of the New York Islanders. Now he does a lot of work for the Pittsburgh. Uh, penguins radio network so mirrors he's had a heck of a career in in the hockey game for sure and there have been a lot of other guys who have come through and done some special things ryan mitchell who's the voice of the columbus clippers so you know there's there's been a lot of really good talent to go through that organization and you know timing's everything you know some people call it luck you know some people just call it being opportunistic but you know it's the three r's right You've got to be at the right place at the right time. And you've got to be ready when the opportunity presents itself. So I was lucky enough to be at Bowling Green when Urban Meyer was there for those two years. Yeah. And my, my uh, senior year, uh, Coach Meyer had a, a heck of a season. They were undefeated. I think eight weeks into the season and had a chance to go to a bowl game, which would have been the first and I think 10 years for Bowling Green, but ended up losing, unfortunately to Toledo in the final game of the season. And that was that, that ended up being the last game that coach Meyer coached. And then he went on to, to Utah and I was also there the same time Dan Dockich was there too. So coach Dockage, <laughs> he's, he's on in afternoons in Indianapolis and he also does color analysis for the worldwide leader as well. So it, that was so much fun to have the opportunity to do pregame interviews with both of those guys, essentially before every game, it was just such a great learning experience for me And on top of that, you know, think about where these guys are 20 years later. It was just so cool to be able to sit down and talk to those guys. And that was before Urban Meyer really became Urban Meyer. And one of the questions I always get about Urban Meyer was, you know, what was he like? Because people, I think, have such a strange, you know, strange perception of what Coach Meyer is or, you know, who he is. He's treated me well. As a matter of fact, he used the highlights from the Bowling Green Radio Sports Organization uh, tapes he would use the highlights and he would use those with for recruiting so i thought that was kind of cool he would use our play-by-play and he would use those highlight clips for for recruits i thought that was really cool and then getting the chance to talk to him before every game was a learning experience
1: yeah it's awesome it was uh we've i've talked about it before and and how great it was to be a part of that and just just how immersed you could get in uh in a division one you know, it's a mid major in the MAC, but whatever, it's a Division I college program in, in, in everything in basketball. And, you know, my time, you know, unfortunately, I was young when all that was going on. Uh, my time was spent covering w- w- just one of the great Mid American Conference women's basketball teams of all time. And that was awesome. Uh, the football team kind of tanked after a while. But, uh, but yeah, really cool. So, so you leave Bowling Green and you find yourself making your way down to the wild. Wonderful world of West Virginia, and you you take over as the the play by play man for the West Virginia Power, and and that's a cool play. Like every time I drive through, I always try to find the ballpark because it's kind of nestled in uh, in downtown. uh what is that Charleston? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, so so you you go on and 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 you you take over as the play by play man uh, for the Power, and and I still remember we would pull up your stuff at at RSO meetings. Just to listen to your home run call for for those do we still do you still do the same home run call for those not familiar?
4: Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. So it, it hasn't changed. But one quick thing: before I went down to Charleston, I actually spent a summer in Jamestown, New York. That's where I cut my teeth doing right. the the baseball broadcast thing. So that and the only reason I bring that up is because that year there were so many eye opening experiences. Now that was two thousand three and technically i was still in college when i did that but that was my first taste of professional baseball and the team the guys they had so many great personalities they were good dudes but that just wasn't a good team i mean they they just they got out of the gates very slowly never recovered and there were only a couple of guys that ended up climbing the ladder in the marlin system and doing pretty well and it was such a tough season, but looking back at it, I'm kind of glad that I got that real tough season out of the way first, because they play 76 games in the New York Penn League. I think they won like 22 games that year, to oh. give you an idea as to how tough that was. Oh. But I didn't care. I mean, you know, I was calling professional baseball. I was hanging out with pro baseball players. So the win-loss thing didn't necessarily matter as much to me. And looking back at it, like I said, I mean, if you ever have a season like that, that's where you want to have it because you're just kind of so in awe of the coolness of everything that that first season you're just so right right. so i mean you know the fact that they were only won 20 some games it didn't necessarily matter but you know to bring things over to charleston you know i i think i was out of college for maybe two or three months and this is back in the day when you couldn't just create your own web page and put a couple of audio or video links up there i mean I spent a lot of money on postage and all this good stuff putting CDs together and you know mailing my resume out and demo tapes all that stuff. You couldn't just email it back then, you had to do it the snail mail way. So I remember I sent out I don't even remember how many packages all across the country looking for any job I could get and it came down to two phone calls I received back. I had it in down in Charleston, Andy Milovich was the general manager and he actually was a GM for the Mahoney Valley Scrappers the year before. So I was able to connect some dots that way and at the same time I went down there for an interview there was a radio station up in Lansing Michigan that called me up and they said hey you applied for a job here to be the morning show host so here's what we're doing with that we're just going to have you come in and we're going to have you host the morning show for a couple of hours and we'll go from there so I went in I auditioned and I thought it turned out extraordinarily well but Charleston made me an offer and I was in a position where I was 23 years old and I was like well there's an offer on the table here. It would be really stupid for me to pass it up. And they weren't ready to make a decision in Lansing. And I come to find out about a year or two later, they changed formats, So things turned out pretty well. So I ended up going down to Charleston. It was the last year at old Watt Powell Park. And that park had some history, but it was dated to say the least. And they moved into what's now Appalachian Power Park, different part of downtown. And my first year in Charleston, last year, that old ballpark, they were a Blue Jays affiliate. Met some great dudes down there. Love the Blue Jays. They have, I have nothing but great things to say about that organization and the guys I worked with. The next year, they signed a player development contract with the Milwaukee Brewers. And they right. spent the next four years as a Brewer affiliate. Then my final year down in Charleston, they were a Pirates affiliate, which in terms of proximity makes a lot more sense. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you think about some of the players the Brewers had, holy smokes. And one of my claims to fame down in Charleston, you talked about that home run call. Now, yes, coolest, I want to hear it. Well, and we'll throw one at you here in a minute, but one of the coolest tall run calls I ever made ended up being Michael Brantley's first professional bomb. It happened oh. on a Grand Slam school day, so it was one of those 10 a.m. starts, and those are kind of rough to get started, but, man, are they nice when they're finished. So Brantley, of course, had a terrific career, as we all know. He's still having a great career, but early on, he was kind of, you know, as a very, very wiry guy. Didn't have a whole lot of pop. Well, as it turns out, in his third professional season, it was maybe six weeks in. He plays in this Grand Slam school day game, and he ends up hitting a walk-off bomb over the wall in right center field. The power end up beating the Lexington Legends. So I've always got that going for me. I can always say that I called Michael Brantley's first professional home run, and here, we are, here he are. It's amazing. Yeah, 15 years later, He's he is who he is now, and he's a perennial that's all-star.
2: A lot, that's a lot better. That's a lot better than switching formats and Lansing because it's you
4: know
2: it's <laughs> morning. Dandy from 6 a.m.
4: Yeah, yeah. to ten a.m. didn't fit my personality, right? I mean I yeah. think the morning show thing oh. would, just
1: wouldn't have been me. Wouldn't have been yeah. me at all. Oh, it's a ama- what a great story though. Calling Michael Brantley's first pro home run. That is yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's and and that's gotta be cool to just every time you see Michael Brantley, you probably think about it like <laughs> I called your first home run. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah,
4: man. And like, th- th- there are guys that played on those teams. I mean, Ryan Braun. Right. Of course, he's had a remarkable career. He was on the 2005 team. The 2006 team, uh, Lorenzo Cain was the starting center fielder on that team. Brantley was the starting left fielder on that team.
1: Matt and Laporta.
4: Matt Laporta played there a couple of years later. Jonathan Lucroy. Let me just say this about Lucroy. I know that a lot of Indians fans don't like him for all the obvious reasons, but let me just say this. He was an awesome guy. I always loved Luke Croy. He was nothing but classy. He was always a great dude to me, so I I didn't like the fact that he didn't want to come to Cleveland, but look, it worked out because if that trade had gone down, the tribe wouldn't have Greg Allen. They wouldn't have had Francisco Mejia. Thus, they wouldn't have Brad Hand at this point, so sometimes the best trades are the ones that just don't happen.
1: But I think it's fair to say he was a good guy. Yes, he was a
4: great guy. (laughs) Great guy, yes. Yes, great guy. That's
2: that's like that's like when you're when you uh, we don't want to tell a girl like don't want like like you're trying to set a guy up with a girl and like you don't want to tell her she's ugly. Oh, like she's really nice.
4: <laughs> like, she's really really. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Been through this before, Chad? <laughs> yeah, a little
1: bit, a little bit, a little bit. One or two times, bull. Well, one or two times. Okay. The story of Chad in a nutshell. Excuse me,
2: I gotta go up on the roof of my house
1: now. No, <laughs> so bull I, enough suspense here, man, because if you're not, if you don't know this home run call and there's videos, you can YouTube this home run call and you will find videos. You might even, I know there's some back from the power days. Uh, I want to, I want to talk about it. Cause I want to know where on earth it came from. So, so tell us what the home run call is and tell us the origin story.
4: Okay. So what happens is, you know, two ball, two strike pitch. Player X hits one high and deep to left, pick out the left fielder's name, back and left goes player X, he looks up and gives up, it's gone. Michael Keefe hits a three-run jack-jackety-jack, and you, roll, you go right through the rest of it, okay? I'll get more animated here in a second, but that's the crux yes. of the call, so now let's explain how that came to. So,
2: I love this you know, story.
4: You, you work on all of these different ways of describing a home run, right? You're trying to be creative. John Sterling is the best at being creative, you know, hey, Curtis, you're looking sort of grandish. Show oh, the grandy can. And, you know, he's got all these terrific home run calls and the all rise for Aaron Judge. I mean, I can't get as crazy as John Sterling does. But from I mean, you know what? From A-Bomb. From a Oh, God. I mean, he's, he, he's... And then, of course, who can forget about the great Hawk Harrelson as well? I mean, oh. put it on the board, yes. I mean, everybody's got one, right? So I figured, all right, you've got to somehow put your creativity to work here. Well, there was a phrase in 2004, that coaching staff threw around, they threw out the phrase, Jack, Jackety Jack. And it meant something entirely different, but we'll save that for another time. So (laughs) they, they, they end up using that phrase. And I thought, man, there's an association with a home run there. I could probably work this in somehow some way. So Charlie Poe was the hitting coach that year. He goes by C. Poe. He's actually a hitting coach in the uh, White Sox system right now. Last year, he was Omar Vizquel's hitting coach in Double A for Birmingham. C. Poe, side story on him, when Michael Jordan decided that he wanted to retire in the middle of his basketball career and go play baseball randomly, when that happened, that kind of created a bit of a ripple effect in the White Sox system, and Charlie Poe was one of the guys that ended up getting demoted as a result. And when he was asked about that, they said, hey, you know, what are your thoughts on Michael Jordan coming to play for the White Sox? You know, you're one of the guys that got demoted as a result. Charlie Poe said, well, look, I mean, obviously, I want to continue climbing throughout the system. You know, nobody likes getting demoted, but it's Michael Jordan. So there's not a whole lot I can do about it. Poe had this great reputation and he still does to this day. But I remember when he, he said when that came out, you know, the newspapers took that and twisted it because they were looking for an angle to make it look like somebody didn't like the fact that Michael Jordan was signed by the Sox. So that got plastered all throughout the white Sox system. And he said, Jordan called him into his house and said, Hey, look, a lot of guys I know know you, they know you extraordinarily well. I know that what you said probably wasn't exactly the way it come out. It came out in the paper. So he said, he brought him in. He said he had dinner with him and he kind of explained to him, you know, how to handle the media. And I thought, boy, that's kind of cool because you don't see that side of Michael Jordan very often. But that was Charlie Poe, a.k.a. c Poe. Kenny Joyce was the manager that year. Tom Bradley was the uh, pitching coach. So, you know, we're on the bus one day, and they use that phrase constantly throughout the course of the season. And Kenny Joyce would always look back at me and say, hey, can you run through that home run call when Clint Johnson hit that three-run shot in Lexington? And I said, yeah. I said, you know, I've been trying to work on this home run call. And I said, you guys keep throwing out jack, jackety jack. And I said, that's a perfect association. I'm going to use that. So he says, no, you're not. No way you're going to use that on the air. I said, oh, yeah, of course I'm going to use that on the air. <laughs> so we come to, and I. it always comes back to Lexington because Charleston and Lexington played each other what seems like 75,000 times in the five or six years I was down in Charleston. Well, that Alley Cat team in 2004, they had a game that wasn't exactly the clincher but it was a game that they won and once they won it realistically the chances of that second place team catching up to them it was pretty much eliminated well Clint Johnston was the guy that came up he hit this three-run shot over the wall in right field in Lexington and in Lexington it's a wide open press box so I mean I just kind of go rip roaring through this home run call everybody in the press box just kind of stops and stares at me <laughs> and then the <laughs> the game's over you know alley cats win and you know they're just sitting up on cloud nine, right? They're just loving every minute of this. Something happened to Kenny Joyce at the end of the game. I thought the guy was going to be tickled pink because they won. And, you know, essentially that was the win. that got them where they needed to be in the division to kind of wrap things up. Kenny was pissed. I mean, he was mad about something. Couldn't tell what it was. I think the clubhouse manager didn't dry his draws or something like that. So we go to this god-awful pizza place right across the street from the ballpark. (laughs) And Kenny's just sitting there. He's got his head buried down. And so all of a sudden, he just picks his head up, and he says, hey, Bull. I said, yeah, Kenny." He goes, can you do that home run call for me when Johnson hit that home run? What did it sound like? I said, do you really want me to go through it right now? He goes, yeah. He goes, come on. He goes, god damn it. You know, that clubhouse manager, he he didn't wash my drawers. He goes, I am sitting in my drawers right now. So he's like, like, I need need to pick me up. I need to pick me up. So I was like, okay. So I went right through the home run call. He stands up, he just starts high-fiving the coaching staff, and he goes, you got to get on the bus, and you got to do that for the guys on the bus. Most of these guys have never heard you speak. you got to get on the bus and do that home run call for these guys. They're going to love it. So we had this long trip to Lakewood, New Jersey, from Lexington, and they were just looking for something to keep their spirits up. So lo and behold, I got on the bus, did the home run call, and that was it, man. The bus just kind of lit up, and I'm not even sure if those guys know my first name is Andy. Most of those guys from that point forward, they knew me as Bull and nothing else.
1: Oh, okay. I love it. I, yeah. I, I'm I'm waiting for you to break into it, but I'm going to be patient. Oh. So,
4: <laughs> so which one do you want? Do you want Brantley's walk off bomb, or do you want Clint Johnson's three run shot to put the Alley Cats over the top? I mean, that three run shot was a little bit rusty because that was kind of in the infant stages of the home run call. The Brantley bomb was perfected because number one, I was excited. That was the end of a day game, and I was ready to get the hell out of there and go home. And it was also Brantley's first professional bomb too. So. It's got a little bit of a deeper meaning, I guess, right? Let's do the Br- – I,
1: I vote Brantley. I don't know if the other guys vote different, but we got the Cleveland connection with Brantley. I vote Brantley. Of
2: course, Brantley.
4: Okay, we can do Brantley. That sounds, that sounds fine. So, to set the stage for you, it's the bottom of the 10th inning, and it's a tie game at two apiece, and Brantley led the inning off. And it was the second pitch of the inning. He was sitting on a 1-0 pitch. So, we'll pick it up from the 1-0 pitch, right? Here we go. Nobody on, nobody off. Brantley leading off, bottom of the 10th inning. Tie game, two apiece. Not much of a crowd left. Most of the kids have gone back to their buses and made their way back to school. Michael Brantley, ready to send the rest of us out of here as well, if he can connect on one. Here comes the 1-0 pitch. Brantley swings and hammers it. High and deep to right. Back and right goes Jones. He looks up and gives up. It's gone. Michael Brantley ends the game with a walk-off jack-jackety-jack his first professional bomb and the power walk off on the legends with a three to two win here at Appalachian power park. And that was Bradley's first
1: bomb. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) God. I always forget. I always think about the Jack Jackety Jack and I always forget about my, I think my favorite part is the looks up and gives up part. Oh, love it. I love it. So I'm sure. Did you get goosebumps? Oh my God. Yeah. I just, I'm, a, I'm ready. Now I'm ready to like, I don't know, be more active than I've been at any point in the last four months. <laughs> that's what I'm ready for. Oh, okay. Uh, so you did, I'm sure you had that call many, many times. Uh, 2009. That's kind of cool. I didn't know this about you, Bull. And we've known you for a long time, but uh, I didn't know you were runner up for broadcaster of the year from ballpark digest magazine. That's pretty sweet. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, Somebody must have felt sorry who for won. me
4: and nominated me, right? Somebody must have just felt sorry for me and nominated me. That, that's my guess. I, I, I don't remember who won either. I remember, I thought it was kind of a joke at first. I thought that somebody had just made something up and sent it along and said, hey, congratulations, you're the runner-up. But then I found like there was some legitimacy to this. And I don't exactly <laughs> know how it works. I think somebody in the South Atlantic League nominated me. I'm pretty sure it was my good buddy, Jay Burnham, who went on to win the award a few years later. And I, I'm not exactly sure who votes on this, but somebody has to nominate you. And then there's some sort of panel, I believe, that votes on it. So I came in second place that year. And as it turned out, that was my last year in Charleston. I think about two months later, I ended up uh, leaving Charlie West. But it was cool just to be considered because you think about how many guys are in that circuit yeah. and how much work those guys put in. So it was cool to
1: even be considered. So since since 2011, you, you, you made your way up to Avon. And since 2011, you've been you've been jack jackety jacking calls uh, <laughs> for the Lake Erie Crushers. Uh, and I remember how excited we were when 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 you came in, and obviously you had a connection with with some people there. Our buddy Dan Helm, uh, uh, not the least of which your connection. So uh, uh, so you've been calling games there. We're going to get kind of circle back around to the Crushers because I think I think it's fun to talk a little bit about the Frontier League now and. And what's going on with the whole COVID thing and all that. Uh, but you've been in the booth there. Uh, but the other thing that you're doing is is uh, you, you're you now in – how many years have you been doing your afternoon show for EOL? I started in 2017. So this
4: is – we're going on – finished three years. We're going on year four.
1: So, yeah, let's talk about uh, – with EOL, obviously our good buddy, Tim Alcorn, who's been on the podcast, uh, he, he did some games with the Crushers with you. And then I think just like myself, just like Chad, uh, we kind of got brought over doing some high school sports with Tim. Uh, Now we all, the three of us, all still do high school sports with WEOL. Just kind of talk about what's going on over there at EOL. I know you got the FM frequency going on now. And and talk to us a little bit about the radio show, the the afternoon show, how that's been going.
4: So at first it was myself and Matt Douglas. And, you know, when they brought me on board, you know, the idea was, hey, we're going to have an afternoon show from 3 to 6. And they kind of felt like it was a really cool gateway to a lot of their afternoon and evening programming, as you guys know, most of which is high school sports, Indians baseball, Ohio State athletics as well, Cavaliers basketball too, of course, with Tim Alcorn. And it was just a natural fit. And Matt Douglas was a guy I had heard before. But strangely enough, I had never met Matt until the day they introduced me as the afternoon drive host, And they said, Hey, This is Matt Douglas. You guys are going to be working together in the afternoon. Now, you know, I I had known of Matt, but I'd never actually worked with him before. And, you know, as you guys know, Douglas is an awesome dude. I mean, he's an easy guy to get along with. And I mean, he's obviously great at what he does, too. So I remember I did the scoreboard show and Douglas was doing a Stream 2 game. And I asked Tim Grattan, who was working the board, I said, Oh my God, who is this guy doing this game? They said, Oh, this is Matt Douglas. And I thought, Holy cow, this guy's good. So Douglas and I just developed an instant report. And I was sad to hear he was moving on. But I mean, Matt's got two kids. He'll have a third one coming up here in late August as well. So he wanted a career change and uh, Rocco Nushi has joined us. He used to work at 92.3 the fan. So now Rocco has been on the job for about three months. And Rocco. He's been so easy to work with too. And we get along great. Poor Rocco. He he joined us. I think the Monday before everything shut down because oh. of this COVID nineteen
3: oh, crisis.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we it's feel we sorry. feel Rocco's pain. We we started this podcast right when everything shut down. So oh, we we're like, let's do a sports podcast. Yeah, and impec- then all the sports impec- shut down.
4: Impeccable timing, bull. Impeccable timing. <laughs> you guys make it work though, man. Look, I mean, it's you know. You guys have found a way to to make things interesting and compelling. And that's a hard thing to do. You guys have been doing it. This is episode 13, right? This makes a yeah, baker's right. dozen for you. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> a baker's dozen.
2: Baker's dozen. He's just having awesome. another heart attack.
4: <laughs> yeah. I knew you would pick up on that. I knew you yeah. would get that. I knew for sure you would get
1: that. <laughs> yeah. That makes it a baker's dozen. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Uh, all right. So let's get into a little bit about what's going on in the Frontier League. Because uh, – um, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's something that I think a lot of people look forward to, obviously minor league baseball in general, but especially over here on the West side of Cleveland, uh, uh, the amount of people that look forward to just getting out to crushers games, uh, again, just kind of that affordable fun night out with the family, watching some baseball, good atmosphere. Um, uh, so when were they, I, they usually, we usually would start, uh, right towards the middle to the end of May. Um, obviously, they haven't started yet. So, what's kind, of, what's kind of the deal over there? What's going on? Are, are, is there an anticipation that the league's going to start up, or, or uh, is there a word on anything else? I would be shocked if there was any sort of a season at
4: this point, and I don't think that's any secret at this point. I mean, I think anybody you talk to that is closely tied in with the league or covers the league, they'll tell you the same thing. Because you're at a point now where, in the middle of June, let's just say they find some sort of magic potion that cures this, right? And they're allowed to operate as if there was no virus. Even then, you've got to give these teams at the very least, I think, three weeks to put a camp together, get your cutdowns and get to 22 or 24 guys on your active roster. At that point, you're talking about the middle of July. But as you guys know, it's a totally different game when you're talking about the Frontier League and independently in the same boat you're not going to make hundreds of millions of dollars off of television contracts and radio deals. You need butts in the seats. And that's going to be almost impossible to do this year at the big league level, which means there's no way they're going to be able to do that at the frontier league level. And the the idea is if you can do this with butts in the seats, sure, rock and roll, but I don't think they can do that. Like I said, even if they're to find some sort of magic potion in the next couple of days here, you're probably not starting until at the very least maybe that second week of July and even then you know you have so much to contend with in August and in September it's easy to sit here and say well not why not just extend the season because those teams have a difficult time I think making a hefty chunk of change when you get into September because you're dealing with kids having to go back to school there are a lot of other factors I mean high school football starts up for us here you know in Lorain County so you have a lot of other forms of competition in September that you just don't necessarily have when you're talking about June and July and the early stages of August. So they're at a point right now where I think in the next couple of weeks, I would expect some sort of announcement, but it just doesn't look good this year. I would be really surprised if they played at all.
1: Well, that's, I guess it's sad too, because this was supposed to be a big exciting year for the frontier league. Yeah. I mean, there was a, they just kind of expanded some new teams in Uh, So the Frontier League now is going to cover a whole lot more of an area. Uh, And, yeah, it's just a shame. It's a a fun thing that we usually look forward to doing. A lot of people look forward to doing. Although I bet on your end with a a very, very young child, uh, it's probably not the worst timing for this, right? Yes. You know what? It's funny you say
4: that because
1: Tom Crammy, the
4: owner of the Crushers, is a great guy to work for. He's fantastic. Every year they've been nice enough to have me come and play in their Celebrity softball game, right? Since I'm a quasi celebrity in the area, they let me sit there and take a couple of hacks. And my wife is pretty excited about it. She loves Tom, loves the Crushers, but she's not displeased with the fact that there is no, there may not be any Crusher baseball this year because I'm home more often and I get to hang out with a little guy too, which is nice. But one more thing to throw in here on this, too, guys the fact that you talked about how there's a larger geographic footprint with the Frontier League you're talking about a bunch of different states operating under a bunch of different rules, which just adds so much more complexity to the issue as well. So that's another reason why I think it it, it just doesn't look good for them to play any kind of frontier league baseball this year. Well,
2: well, do you guys think we should just maybe go to the stadium and, and then drink out of the kegs that are at the stadium?
1: (laughs) Do you think they would still let me do that?
2: That that stadium should get some use. That stadium should get some use. I'm just saying
1: yeah, those keg lines got to get run. <laughs>
4: hey, yeah.
1: you, you talk to Craven. What he might be
4: able to do for you is he, he, he may actually have you guys do one of these shows from there. Oh. Give him some free publicity. Maybe he'll let you drink out of the keg. We'll see. I'm in. Listen,
1: I, I, I'm in. I have had so much beer out of the kegs in that stadium <laughs> over the course of my time. I think also. I say think we go do cash. it. I say we go do it. We'll offer up Joey services to go fetch a keg from yeah. the garage.
3: I know how to bring it them. on up.
1: I'm telling you w- the things that people don't know about the behind the scenes, <laughs> those games would end and it would be 10 30, 11 o'clock at night. And we would pull a table out and we'd be playing drinking games. And, and, uh, this was back when there wasn't such a great owner involved, but <laughs> it's good to hear. There's a good one now. Uh, uh, man, we used to, we'd be eating the snacks, just the tab that I ran up there, I can't even imagine what that looks like. But you know, that was the fun of working. It would be there'd be like forty of us, right? Uh, Full time staff, game day staff, interns. They'd all be out there having a good time. It was it was a great time there,
2: right? And then you go and then you go up to one of those comfy couches in the suites, and you're like, ah, oh, this seems like a good spot to
1: sleep. <laughs> I mean, I did not do that. There were definitely listen when you got to get there at eight a.m. and you don't leave until twelve thirty p.m. Uh, there were definitely nights where those couches were a plenty good enough spot for me to sleep for a few hours.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> All right, so that's a little bit of a I mean, bummer. I, but I, again, I never expe- I,
2: oh, okay, sorry. I was just going to say I never experienced it, but uh, you know, I, I've heard, I've heard about plenty of uh, <laughs> plenty of suites being occupied on uh, on those type of nights.
1: The best nights were where, where we would have the uh, the kegs flowing and then we would go blow up the inflatable kid zone. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and we'd be doing races out there. <laughs> wow. Hey, it's good Sorry, Tom, family Tom. affordable fun bowl. Yes, it Sorry, is. Sorry, Tom. Yes, if it you're is. listening. Sorry, Tom.
4: Sorry. Um, hey, I'm sure those 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 same inflatables aren't around. I'm sure Tom's probably purchased some new ones.
1: I was gone well before Tom, so <laughs> you know. <laughs> No apologies necessary. Oh, okay. (laughs) So let's transition now into some other stuff going on around the world of sports. And I think we should start with baseball because it was just yesterday where we were all talking about Rob Manfred in major league baseball, saying that he wasn't sure anything was going to happen. He wasn't hopeful. Uh, He, he had some doubt about the season going on. And then today news breaks that Rob Manfred and Tony Clark Uh, the head of the players association got together for a a meeting. It was, it was productive. I don't know what to believe on this nonsense because until there's like ink on paper, who knows what's going to happen. But it, it sounds like it's actually fairly promising. Like they were able to come together and figure this out. So here's a little bit about the details that I've read. Uh, You guys can fill me in on anything else you've heard. Um, and then let's see, let's see what we think about this. So they're talking about 60 games. Uh, they're talking about the full prorated salaries, which is what they agreed to back in March. Uh, so yeah. Uh, this one caught me. They, they said they're going to have a universal DH, not f- just for this year, but for next year too. And I don't know what happened there. Uh, uh, so yeah, those were those were kind of the big, you know, obviously the money, the prorated salaries were big. The players wanted their full prorated salaries uh, the 60 game season. I don't know what what are you guys feeling about this? What what have you read about it? How are you feeling like this baseball thing is 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 looking Is this is this the deal?
2: What I what I want to know is like I'm I'm great if like I'm excited if that's the deal and they're going to actually get to start to playing baseball games. But I, what I want to know is why why was this so hard? You know, I, I mean, I know the the money was a concern for the owners, but, you know, and, and they were trying to just lowball these players with with the salaries, with, with each offer they gave them. And then it eventually got to the point where they were just kind of offering them the same thing, just with a, a little different wording. But the players were just preaching full prorated salaries. Uh, the players were just preaching full prorated salaries from the beginning. But that was a problem until it seems like Rob Manfred felt the pressure. And, and then all of a sudden he's like, and then all of a sudden he goes, Hey, yeah, prorated salary full prorated salary, 60 games. Here you go. Like, I, I don't know. Like what was it that, would you guys think? Was it the pressure? Was he feeling the pressure from the backlash of it?
4: I get the impression that we're, we're in a, we're in a spot now where I think there's been so much public pressure, as you mentioned, that I think maybe they felt they had to give in a little bit, but it's a little strange that less than 24 hours after he goes out and he says, Oh, Uh, I don't think the chances are very good that we're going to play. Then magically, he just has this this second thought. You know, maybe I should actually meet face-to-face with, you know, the guy that's making the decision for the Players Association. Something doesn't add up there to me. I just think that either they had this timeline in mind the entire time and they were just going to try and ride the players out and see what they could get out of this whole thing. Or maybe they were just that naive. And they didn't think that this thing was going to get to this point. But if the plan all along was to get to 60 or 70 games, great. Mission accomplished. But this could not have been their plan, right? Because their product is being dragged through the mud right now. People have already written them off. And they have said, look, I don't know that I can really watch a whole lot of this anymore because both sides look pretty awful of this entire discussion. And we've gotten to a point now where you have millionaires arguing with billionaires about how much they can actually make and, you know, what they're willing to give here. They had to know going in that in the court of public opinion, there was no way in the world they could win this battle. They would have been better off keeping things somewhat quiet on this. And they could have even just conveniently used the virus as an excuse. And I know that nobody should use the virus as an excuse. But if you had just said all along, it was a health concern, we're not exactly sure what we can get away with. And you delayed that until today. And then made it look like you were putting forth an effort to try and play the game, 60, 70, whatever it ends up being. That would have made a heck of a lot more sense. It, it just is so strange that we're in a position now where twenty-four hours after Rob Manfred says the chances aren't that great, then he meets with Tony Clark. Uh, that's just that's a very, very strange circumstance of events. Seventy games, even if that's what they end up with, somewhere between sixty and seventy, it's going to be goofy. It's going to be very different, but. I love baseball. So I'm fine with the fact that we're going to actually get some games. It's just going to feel so different and there's at least a little bit of a gut punch here because they had a golden opportunity to really take center stage for the
1: entire month of yes. July yeah. and they oh, just yeah. they
4: spoiled that opportunity.
1: Yeah. 100%. 100%. That was, You that got you got, exactly. you got record record viewership on ESPN for like golf. <laughs> you you got record viewership going on for documentaries and like there's nothing else going on and baseball just could not figure this out and and bull, you said it you talked about the frontier league and how important the gate is uh the the money earned from people in the seats in the frontier league well, we've talked about it a bunch on this podcast that's only a, 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 a I, I don't want to say a small small part but it's it's certainly the money you get from a gate at a at a professional MLB team kind of pales in comparison to what you get from sponsors and media deals and 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 revenue sharing and all this other stuff. Um, it 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 looked. I feel like there were a lot of things that you had to kind of know to 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 not make it look so bad. Like you have to know that players they they're going to have to go into another CBA and and come up with a new a new contract after next year. So the players have that on their shoulders, like you can't just give in on things. But uh, I I think the ownership is, you know, uh, Matt Lodi said it when we were on with Lodi. They had a deal agreed to in March, and the owners just kept going back going, eh, that's not going to work for us anymore. That's not going to work for us anymore.
2: Uh, And then the the audacity of them to say that the players were negotiating in bad faith? (laughs) Uh, Are you kidding me? Are are you kidding me? The players are just trying to keep up to the, keep to the deal that you, you originally agreed to.
1: The thing that drives me crazy is it, it it feels like baseball doesn't realize that baseball doesn't come back from stuff like this easily. Like baseball forgets its own history. Baseball went on strike in 94 and it was very hard to get people back interested in baseball. When they came back, when they had these public stupid disagreements baseball loses all the time and it's like they don't learn from their history
4: scary thing I think is that there were reports yesterday that there were at least six and maybe as many as eight owners that really didn't care if there was a season or not and many of which were trying to press for there to be no season which is really scary to me because if you're an owner of a team like it or not you've got an obligation and you can't sit there and tell me that Oh, you don't want to play a game because every time we go out and play a game, we're at the risk of losing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Chances are, if you're running a major league baseball team, you can wear that. Not to mention, I, I think you'd be naive if you didn't look at that and say to yourself, okay, by taking that stance, saying that in the short term, I can't withstand the loss of hundreds of thousands of dollars for every game and not know that by taking this stance, it could plummet the overall value of my franchise. There's no way in the world those guys are, are that dumb, right? They have to understand that uh-huh. knowing that if, if that's the stance they take, if those names ever get released, those fan bases, I mean, they will turn in a hurry on some of those names. Now, we'll never know those names because I don't think they're going to release that. But it's scary to think that there are some owners out there, if that report is indeed true, that were willing to not play this season at all. I mean, it really is scary. And Mike, to your point, it's it's fascinating that, you know, you're right. Baseball sometimes has a tendency to forget its own history. Now, they needed that steroid error to help them come back from the strike of 94. This is a different world. There are so many other alternatives out there right now. So I, I just don't think this is a game of chicken that they should be willing to play.
2: Oh, my God. And, and, and the fact that they, you know, they're crying poor here, like the Marlins, the Marlins, right? They played what, for what, 10 years, 15 years without any fans whatsoever. And yet they right. were somehow still able to come up with the richest contract in Major League Baseball history at the time for Giancarlo Stanton. And then they turned a profit selling the team what, for, for, for what, over a billion dollars? And you mean to tell me that you're afraid of losing money? Like, like, like who, who's supposed to believe this? Who's supposed well, to believe this? Well, here's the this? other thing.
1: Like a baseball team, a Major League Baseball team is not a normal business and And nobody on the planet, i don't I don't mean to come off as stupid here. Nobody on the planet goes into a venture to not try to make some money. but like these baseball teams are not these families' main source of income. These families were rich so that they could buy baseball teams. Yeah. like they have money from other things. That's how they got rich. They bought baseball teams as a as a status thing as a hobby. you look at any sports owner. It's not even baseball teams, but uh, I don't know. Mark Cuban's the shining example, Mark Cuban. I don't think Mark Cuban really even thinks about the money that the Mavericks generate. No, He's just, he's out there trying to be the owner of the Mavericks. And that's, that's what baseball owners are kind of supposed to be or, or any sport owners. So this, I, I always hear from people like, Oh, these people, they can't lose money. They can't, this is not their like main profit business. Like, Yes, they can lose money because their money is coming from a million other places. They've got, they're they're so rich, you know, we always want to get to that level. You want to get rich enough that your money makes money, right? Sure. You want to get, you want to have so much money that you don't even have to do anything and your money's going to make money. That's where all of them are at. Their money is making money. So this crying poor on things, you could take a loss. The Indians, the Indians can have 10,000 people in, in the seats per game average for a season and be perfectly fine.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like people forget, like if these guys are billionaires, like I, I forget who it was. I, I saw the other day, he's worth $1.6 billion. Yeah, like, like, dude, does anybody have any idea? Like what a, like a billion dollars is like that 0. 0.6, <laughs> still $600 million. <laughs>
1: like, I had like a thousand dollars once. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so I, it's 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 just a, the fact that they're going that 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 they're trying to be be cheap on these players. I, I don't know. I I just I, I don't get it. I don't get what baseball did here, but the fact that bottom line, the fact that they're finally getting to play some games is is, is going to make me happy and and bull happy too, and and Mike happy, and you know and, and Joey as well. Joey, you look like you should probably smile over there. Joey, are you there?
1: Joe, yeah. I want to get to Joe because I want to I, I want Joe to lead us off on. I want to go back to that one. Can we talk about the one weird rule? The the universal DH, I think I think it makes. I'd like to talk a little about about what we think a sixty or seventy game season is going to look like, and how the players are going to play differently, and how the managers are going to manage differently. But can we talk about that rule for a minute? It it makes sense to do it for like a seventy game season, but like how did that get thrown in for next year too? Joe, what like what? How, how are you feeling about that?
3: I think either. They're planning on one less thing to negotiate if we go into another seventy-game season for next year, uh or they're just trying to transition the NL to the DH, which is probably the right move, anyways. Yeah,
2: they as as they should. Who want who's who has ever wanted to see a pitcher pitch or pitcher
1: hit? Bartolo Colon, yeah,
2: me. Well, okay, but yeah, no, Bartolo Colon, what pitch he hit? He's, he's, yeah, he's like Fulton Reed and the Mighty Ducks. Like one out of five ain't bad, but <laughs> but, but honestly, honestly, your nine your nine spot is an automatic out. Like, why why would you want to keep that? Why I, I I don't get it. So yeah, this universal DH is something that needs to needs to stick.
1: So do you think that's just it? Do you think they just figured you know what we need to like we need to proactively kind of you view this as like our trial run for the permanent universal DH. Yeah. And we're just going to throw it into this and see what happens.
3: And it's not like a complete thought, but I feel like there's something to like some gripe that NL owners might have or clubs might have about a disadvantage of not being equip- equipped for a DH for a full season to be competitive uh, against if there isn't an, any interleague play, which I don't know if this schedule is going to allow for that or not, but uh yeah, there might be something there too.
2: This is actually something I don't know, like the history about, like why, why in the National League did they have the pitchers pitch to begin with, like why, why, why didn't they have a DH? Bull, Mike, Joe. Anybody?
1: Yeah, I don't remember the origin story of why. I just remember they were remember they were two different leagues at one point. So it it wasn't even just like Major League Baseball, American National League. They were actually there was like an American League and a National League, and they were two different things. So when they merged them, I think the National League wanted to keep the way that they were playing. The American League wanted to keep however they were playing. It's something to that regard. But I'm with you guys, though. Like nobody, it's nonsense. Put the pitchers, let them pitch, let the hitters hit, uh, and and let's watch like uh, actual competition one through nine in the lineup as opposed to these pitchers that... I love the ones where you can see the ball hit the mitt and then the swing goes. And you're like, <laughs> oh, that was not – that wasn't it. It's like Henry Rowan Gardner out there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah,
2: when the the pitcher comes up to the plate, you just see that one in between the catcher's legs, and he's like, yep, yep, this is happening. You just, <laughs> just throw him three straight heaters, and he's out. And we're, we're fine. <laughs> he's going to bunt anyway.
1: Well, it looks like – it looks like hopefully, hopefully this is the deal. It's going to be really interesting. I, the, the only other thing, Bull, I don't know what, what your thoughts on this are, because you're watching, you're there watching baseball every day for the most part throughout the summer, every summer. So going from 162 games to a 70 game season, how do you think that changes the game of baseball and how it's played and managed?
4: A lot. And I think it's going to be exciting. I mean, this kind of feels like a bit of a gut punch knowing we could have had over 100 games. But because this thing has been drawn out the way it's been drawn out, it feels like we kind of have to settle for this instead of just getting this. But having said that, it could be really exciting because there are a lot of people that think the season lasts way too long anyways. And there are a lot of people that think Michael Key, for example, right, raising his hand.
1: I hate 162 games. I hate it.
4: And I think people will know and they'll understand that every game means that much more. There's so much more weight on every single game now. And that can be a little more exciting because I think people, when they go to the ballpark, they see the Indians take on the Tigers, for example, knowing how bad the Tigers are. They just think, you know, what, whatever. They lose this game. It's the middle of July. They've got plenty of chances to make that up. Now this is all different. I mean, this is a brand new ball game now. So I think it will be more exciting. And maybe they're banking on that. You know, for some of the people that have been turned away by this public negotiation, maybe their thought is, hey, this turns into a sprint because it was a marathon. But now this is a dead sprint. If this works out the way the reporting it's going to, that can make things a little bit more exciting. And yeah, it's going to change things. I mean, you're not going to get many days off. I mean, chances are, you know, if you're looking at a 60 or 70 game season, if you have a really good bullpen. Chances are you've got a leg up. If you've got depth in your bullpen, you really have a leg up because I think managers are going to go to that pen more often than not.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and as far as the Indians are concerned with, you know, it, you can't have the slow starts, you know, Indians typically aren't a, a fast starting team. So, you know, for every team in the MLB now, it's, it's going to be important to have a good start. So yeah, man, the, the competition is is, is going to be interesting to see guys.
1: I'm excited. I, I, if anything, that's what keeps me, I'm never going to run away from baseball. It's, it's my, it is my, my sport all the way through and through. But uh, if there's anything that has me so excited about this, I've said it since week one. It's, it's my quote about this. It's like the coronavirus might, might actually help fix baseball. Like (laughs) this 162 games nonsense. It's, it's baloney. It's nonsense. They it's way, way, way too much. And we know why they do it because that's a lot of money. The Major League Baseball makes a lot more money than any other sports league. A lot more money. So I get it. But, man, it is it's not even a marathon because even a marathon can be exciting at points. What's your there what's is a point. So what's
2: that? I was going to say, what's your thought on it, Bull? You know, you're a fan of the 162 games and I and I and like, why what's what's your argument for 162 and what's your argument for reducing a season, Bull?
4: Well, 162 is what we grew up with, right? So that's what we're used to. That's what we're comfortable with. I mean, I think you have a lot of people who are traditionalists that never want to come off of that. But at the same time, there are a lot of challenges you're forced to deal with also. And I think there are some people that would look at that and say, okay, if you're going to cut this back, what do you cut it back to? Baseball is also a sport that's so firmly entrenched in its numbers that some of the numbers and the records are going to be looked at as a little bit artificial because you'll have an era that played 140 games, right? You'll have an era that played 162 games. What do you dial that number back to that everybody's comfortable with? I think there are many out there, too, that say there are a lot of cities and a lot of markets that just have such a tough time drawing. We talked about this earlier with the Frontier League, but in Major League Baseball, it's a real problem, too. Playing games in late March and into April and to some degree May, does it make sense to continue to play all those games, especially when you're north of the Mason-Dixon line? It's a roll of the dice with the weather. So, if you're going to cut, is that where you cut? I think that's your best opportunity to do it. Just because I think in the fall, that just screams baseball to me, right? I know football is and probably always will be in our lifetime the king, but I think baseball still has carved out a little bit of a niche in the fall in that those yeah. are the most meaningful games where the pressure's on the line. But in the spring, outside of opening day, you know, it's fun to see baseball back. But when you get into that second or third week of April and you're seeing games constantly rained out or in some cases snowed out or it's too cold for people to show up and, you know, it's tough to draw fans to because kids are still in school and they will be until the end of May. There are a lot of logistical challenges in there. Plus, you know, offense seems to move the needle more than anything else. Balls aren't jumping off the bat until the the weather heats up until you get into early June. A lot of these things make a big difference. So, I mean, again, the game we grew up with was 162. That's why I like it. I just feel like if you're going to change it, it, there are a lot of people that are going to have a big problem with that because then you're talking about a totally different set of rules, and this is a game that's got so much rich tradition and history behind it that you start messing with the record books, people start to have a real problem with that.
2: Yeah, everything you just said like argues for my point of bringing back steroids in baseball. You know, baseball <laughs> was just a lot more fun. <laughs> guys, Bring guys, back 70, the needles. Thousand foot jacks. Yeah, seventy thousand Jack- foot jacks, jacks out of the ballpark hitting the scoreboard. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, I, uh, I, I I agree with you. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, the The good news is, it, it finally looks like you know, uh, all the other leagues have had at least decent publicity as far as just, it looks like they're trying to figure things out and maybe they're, they have imperfect situations, but, but baseball has just been that clash. And finally it looks like we're going to get a little bit of baseball. So, uh, hopefully that comes through. I want to switch topics real quick. I going to head over to the NFL. I've got my, my, my Browns jersey on. They told me it wasn't going to come until October, but I got it this week. So super excited about that. Uh, so, listen, obviously not a whole lot going on in the NFL as far as any type of player movement or doing anything. Or We've got Miles Garrett out here lifting like 670 pounds or something like that it was the what most ridiculous boat. thing I've ever seen. What a dreamboat. He is a dreamboat. <laughs> uh, I can't do that. I, I actually think it might take all four of us combined to lift what Miles Garrett can lift.
4: It I, might it well, might take Bill Brasky to lift what Miles Garrett can
1: lift. Oh, Yes! <laughs> Oh, Bill Brask. Brask. Bull, give us a Bill Brasky.
4: Brasky's ranked 18th in the AP College Football Poll. He framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, uh, but, uh, to mean, Bill Brasky.
4: Bill Brasky has a summer 000. home, and Daryl Dawkins is growing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> he went public with his own buttocks. He made seven a million. <laughs>
4: He's got a toenail at the end of his penis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Some of the great—that's the greatest Saturday Night Live skit in my opinion of all time. Bill Brasky. If you're not familiar, go watch the videos of the Bill Brasky uh, skits. They are that's the like best. A
4: whole another
2: show is like the greatest Saturday Night Live skit ever.
1: I mean, that's up all there. I want to talk about is Bill that's Brasky. That's there, but, uh, yeah, that's all I want to talk about, and the fact that Bull knows literally like every quote from it. <laughs> I used to have to sit there when we worked at the crushers. I used to have to just sit there and like look up Bill Brasky quotes because I knew Bill was coming in, and I was like, I got to be prepared with like oh, five God of these yeah. things.
2: All the information <laughs> you retain is amazing.
1: And, and, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's, it's a, a gift. Yeah. So again, to kind of go along with everything that's kind of going on in the world, uh, uh, lots of lots of news in the NFL about uh, about their method of protest uh, and. Our own Baker Mayfield here in Cleveland caught some flack on that. Uh, well, I won't say he caught flack; he caught flack from some people, and he's been praised by others this week. Um, because in the news, they're starting to talk. Players are starting to say, "You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kneel. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show my form of protest." And somebody made a comment to Baker Mayfield online that said something to the effect of, "Please, Baker, tell me that you don't support this." And Baker's response was. Pull your head out. You're damn right. I'm going to kneel.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: and immediately uh, it, it blows up, and it blows up on both sides. Uh, and and since then, I think just I think maybe even today, it was it was Kyler Murray out in Arizona. Uh, Kevin Stefanski for the Browns, the head coach, has said if you know if we're going to have a uh, some some level of protest, we're going to do it together as a unit. Um, does this does this blow up? I guess, tell me your thoughts, all of you guys, your thoughts on, on Baker. And does this blow up as big as it was the last time?
2: Blow up and how like, 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 like back. I think it was, like,
1: I think it was much more, I think it was very negatively viewed. Yeah. Uh, the last time I think the publicity on it was very negative. Is it going to stay that negative or is there are we going to see more people supporting this?
2: I think you're going to see more people supporting this because I think more people have a better idea of what it was all about. Cause you know, when Colin Kaepernick started this, you know, at least in my mind and, and shamefully, it was like, okay, I, I feel like he, since he's not playing, he's trying to find something to bring attention to him, you know, and it's, it's disrespectful to the flag. You know, I, I didn't understand it at the time. But now since so, the, through the years have gone by and, and through more understanding of the issues at
3: hand,
2: I think it's gonna be way, 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 way more supported uh this year. I don't know what you guys think.
3: Yeah, it's gonna be not only more supported, but I, I feel like when it happened last time there was just like just a weird air of tension. Um because it was like some of the players did it, some of them didn't. I, I think, you know, all these teams coming together, uh, and players coming out saying that they are going to do this former protest, I think it has a bigger impact um, coming from the sport as a whole, especially when you have like, it's a fancy saying, like if we're going to protest, we're going to protest as a team together. Um, bigger sense of unity
1: and uh, 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 togetherness for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I I don't know if this comes, does this come up on the show, Bull?
4: Yeah, on occasion it'll come up. And I mean, basically what this boils down to is a guy exercising his constitutional right. I mean, you don't have to like it. People make, people make choices all the time that we might not agree with, but of course he's allowed to do it. And if they're going to do it in unison, I don't think anybody should have too big of an issue with it. I mean, again, people do things on a daily basis that you might not agree with but he's he's exercising his constitutional right. And I think based on what we've seen here in the last few weeks, is that people sometimes begin to riot when they really believe that their voices are not being heard. And I think, you know, for some people, that's a really tough thing to hear because you see people throwing things through windows and you think, why in the world are they doing that? And sure, there are a couple of bad apples that are just doing that because they have an appetite for destruction, but there are people who are at some of these protests and these riots And again, they're doing these things because they feel like their voices are not being heard. I feel like a lot of that's changing. And, you know, one of the things that Spike Lee's brought up recently is that these riots and these protests, they're not new. They've happened before. But one of the things that Spike Lee mentioned was that he sees a lot more in the way of diversity at a lot of these protests. In that, you know, you have far more than just black people showing up at the protests. You have a lot more white people showing up at the protests. And he's seeing a lot more in the way of unity with different races and, you know, different ethnic backgrounds and things of that nature. And it seems like the point is getting across because now you're hearing a lot more about police reform. And I think that's exactly what they have wanted with this all along. You know, not only to bring more attention to it, but to bring more action to it. And the NFL players totally understand that they've got a platform that they can use. And, you know, you guys have been around big league clubhouses, NBA locker rooms, and NFL locker rooms. There's some sort of unifying body there that just can't necessarily be explained to the average man or woman. But there's a bond that's shared amongst those guys in that when they're in that locker room, there's a brotherhood. And if they feel like one of their brothers are being attacked, doesn't matter what their skin color is. They're going to go to bat for them. And that's why you see so many, you know, white guys step up and white white ladies step up in this whole fight as well the fact that they are saying that their neighbors and their friends are being attacked here and if they think that by protesting they can help this process out they're going to do that and again i I mean you may not agree with baker mayfield kneeling during the national anthem but again he's exercising his constitutional right that's all he's doing
1: yeah and you know what it's it's I think it's a big group of people who are living out the phrase that I think a lot of people agree with, which is "to to whom much is given, much is expected." And and I think a lot of people sit there and say, "Oh, you know, uh, is that your dog, Bull? Does it the is. dog come in? That's yeah, what's up? Yeah, <laughs> Sweet Lou? Yeah. Yes, so, uh, dogs are dogs are always welcome on the Garage Beers podcast. Mine scared the crap out of me last week. He just showed up in my garage. I didn't know he was even in is
4: here. His name, Sweet Lou. Well, Lou, but we call him Sweet Lou. Louie, oh, okay. you know.
1: I'd call him Captain Lou.
4: Captain Lou, Lou. yeah, with the uh, the go team with the yeah, he had the, yeah. Remember Captain Lou Alba had with the
1: go team yeah. with the braids, the rubber bands. Yeah, to to so to finish to to who much is given, much is expected, and and to act like uh, the fact that people continue to act like players aren't people, and that they don't go through these things and they don't have opinions on these things is nonsense. They have a platform. They have a lot of people watching them. And, and and they're having their say. They're letting their voices be heard. There's a good shot of Sweet Lou. What's <laughs> up, Lou? Hey, Sweet Lou. <laughs> Anything to add on the podcast, Lou? No? All right, good. Treats for you later, buddy. You're, you got us two seconds of fame. I got, a buddy. You got, I got
2: it. a buddy. I got a buddy who just, the reason why I asked about Sweet Lou is because I got a buddy who had a, a German shepherd. He just named it Jimmy Beefstick. So I. <laughs> what? <laughs> World? That was his whole. <laughs> if that was the if that what? was the reason oh,
1: there's oh hold, the on. Dude. hold on hold on the baby dude. is making an appearance oh man bull. so we talked about this before we came on the air we talked a little about about a little bit about bull having the baby but bull bull's 5 week old son was just placed in his arms bull who do we have here this is will will the thrill will the thrill yeah, yeah oh look at Is it your time is it your turn to to watch will it's
4: my turn to watch will yeah we're yeah, in a i don't know 10 minutes or so
1: we'll give him a bottle he'll be happy he'll be yeah he, he looks happy doesn't he he looks happy what's going on will oh so me talking about who looks happy <laughs> look at the man holding will he I'm just oh, kind of waking just... up from a nap just wait until you're three, and you can punch your dad in the nuts. It's the yeah. greatest.
4: <laughs> I'm going to start wearing a cup when he turns two. <laughs> oh, you need my to, my gosh. man. I'm
1: telling you. <laughs>
4: my, house, my house
2: gets destroyed, but it's not because it's a, it's a them playing. It's because of the meltdowns. It's great. It's it's perfect.
1: The amount My of kid stuff dropped me in, in the middle now, of Heinen's once. Just dropped oh, nice. me. Oh, jeez. Just down. <laughs> 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 Did anybody so, yeah. come to help you? No, God, no. They knew. They knew. Yeah, they they saw like, the kids standing over me like like Muhammad Ali standing over Sonny Liston. List. And yeah. oh, just, they, just, went, they, went, they went, it's okay, everybody. Three-year-old. You're fine. Boom. Shot to the groin. <laughs> it's fine. All right. So we're going to get into our last sports topic of the night. We're going to move over to the NBA because that's the other league that's making some news here lately. Uh, so... NBA is, uh, sounds like a pretty sweet setup going. Uh, I know Joe has got some information on, on what's going on in Orlando. Uh, that looks to be, uh, happening. Um, uh, but here comes Kyrie Irving, man. This dude is the most off the wall. Like we talk about, we've talked on this podcast extensively about guys like J.R. Smith and like kind of these crazy party dudes, but man, Kyrie's mind is the most off the wall place that I've ever heard of be, be, between the things that he said when he left Cleveland and then flat earth. And then like, he always, there always has to be, he always thinks like, if he thinks a different way, it means he's smarter. So like he always has to have these crazy different. So, so now he's like, I don't know if I would even play in this league. I think we should play in our own league. Uh, what's, what's he talking about? Don't all jump in at once. Oh, oh,
2: oh I, <laughs> I didn't know what we were directing. <laughs> What's, you, you, guys,
1: you guys all just sit there and look at me like, what's happening here? <laughs> get into the mind of Kyrie Irving here with me for a minute.
3: Do we
4: want to get into yeah, the mind of Kyrie Irving? Yeah. <laughs> I
3: don't
1: know if I want
4: to go. I feel
3: like
2: Phenomenal that. basketball player, just a weird dude. Just a weird Dude, just judging by interactions I've had with him, like I just, 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 just a a, a a weird dude. Like I and other interactions that I've known from people I've known that have worked with him that said he he, he was he was he was a guy that just you you didn't know which guy you were gonna get on a day to day basis. Uh, a yeah, phenomenal basketball player, but you just didn't know which guy you were gonna get. So
1: I I can't say I I'm surprised. Kendrick, Kendrick Perkins had a great oh I said Kendrick Perkins had a great quote about Kyrie today. He said if Kyrie Irving was a bird and he had wings, he would fly backwards. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I don't know if Big Perk could sum it up any better than that. Like it just I don't know, man. It's it's strange. But but it sounds like it sounds like things are pretty sweet uh, for the NBA. Joe, were you looking up some of that stuff? What'd you hear about what they had going on down in Orlando? I
3: don't I don't know what like the other leagues are doing for their restarts, but I feel like if I were uh, to pick a league to join uh, with my incredible athletic prowess, uh, it would be NBA the <laughs> because they're going to this bubble in Orlando, right? And if you're like, you know, paranoid about coronavirus, this is like the place for you. You wear your your, your staggered arrival, right? So they're arriving over like three days, uh, so no one gets too crowded. Um, you stay in different hotels based on your seed. So if you are doing well, uh, you can move up to a nicer hotel, or I don't know if it's nicer necessarily, but a different hotel. I would sure, I'd be, I'd be, I would bet that there's some sort of pride that comes along with that. Uh, you wear wristbands that will go off if you stand too close to somebody. Uh, oh, so it's like a proximity thing. So you can't get within like six feet, or else it starts like beeping at you. Um, but that will also going to be real a... weird
1: on the basketball court. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the wristbands going off everywhere. The life alert necklace is constantly going off.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that is the end of the uh, pick and roll. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Giannis falls out of the bathtub, but he's just goes, ah, help me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like teams and trainers and coaches all in this bubble They get access to the pools, they get like hiking equipment, biking equipment, uh, pretty much free reign of uh, Disney World, right? Yeah, Walt Disney World. Um, And everyone has to wear a mask except when you're playing or if you're in the first row. So it'll be bench players and head coaches are encouraged but aren't required. So it sounds like it could be kind of fun.
1: Yeah, I mean.
2: Right? I mean, I mean, you're basically in, in college without everybody else there and living in a dorm slash first like five star hotel. Yeah, I would, I would, I would take it. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I would take
4: it. Living that resort life, man. There are way worse ways of living. You're living the resort life. You can't, you can't go wrong with that. That was a very
1: What's that? a very different college experience than we had at Bowling Green. Both oh yeah, the
2: just star star man. Yeah, just <laughs> <and Mitch. laughs> Or actually, just any any college.
4: (laughs) Nothing wrong with the resort life, man. Those guys are living it up good down there. The Kyrie thing's weird to me. I kind of, at first, I thought maybe there was a little substance to what was going on there for a second. But then, you know, nobody really kind of took off with that idea. And then when I heard earlier today that Kyrie was trying to get guys to form their own league, that's when the balloon kind of popped for me. Just because nobody who's really anybody in the NBA is following suit with whatever Kyrie is trying to put together. <laughs> it's just so strange to me that Kyrie's the guy at the forefront of that.
1: <laughs> I like Kevin Durant came to Kyrie's defense and Kevin Durant on social media called out big perk, but like, you know, Kevin Durant's like coming to Kyrie's defense. But then when Kyrie talks, he's like, mm. nah, happening. man, yeah. like I'm not, I'm not with you on any of that. But like I'm your teammate, so I'm going to stand up for Maybe you. But
2: you should shut the hell up.
1: Maybe you should... I am not <laughs> living in your galaxy, my man. All right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna let Big Bull head out of here. He is he is holding a a, a five week old baby baby Will Will the Thrill in his arms. Will is trying to get some sleep. It is ten oh six. He's like, Dad, you're partying too much here tonight. Uh, so Bull, congratulations to you and your wife on the baby. He is awesome you for letting Will make make an appearance, Will and Captain Lou Albano, uh, for letting them make an appearance on the podcast here. And uh, listen, man, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Hopefully we can have you on as as things start opening up and sports start playing, we can have you on a little bit more and talk about things that are actually happening and not hypothetical situations. But uh, uh, we love you, brother. And uh, congrats on everything. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.
4: Well, thank you guys. That feeling is mutual. Appreciate you guys having me on. This was an absolute blast. And if you guys do that best of SNL show, please invite me on. I would love to be a part of that action too. Oh, You're going you to be the first person we call. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, Paul. Nice. Thank, thank you, guys. you. See you later. Enjoy, enjoy getting no sleep tonight.
4: Hey, I will. I'll give you a full report tomorrow morning.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> See you See guys. You later, thank Bull. you. All right. So NBA starting NHL is starting. Uh, baseball might be starting. Everything's looking pretty good, but uh, we're going to bring back uh, our second installment of something we did a couple of weeks ago that we had a blast with and that Chad works very, very hard on. Uh, so we're going to bring back our all time name game where this is going to be the NBA edition where Chad is, Chad has diligently researched. Right. right. The best, not the best players to ever play in the NBA. No. <laughs> they got boring names. Michael Jordan is a boring-ass name.
2: Very boring. It might no, not no. be Jim Smith.
1: Yeah, right. No, no, no. No, he sucked at basketball. Right. Uh, <laughs> Chad looked up the best names of players that have ever played in the NBA. Mm-hmm. He's going to present us with two for every position, yep. and we're going to come up with our starting lineup, plus a couple of, uh, couple of reserves. A couple of best. So, players. Uh, yeah. So, Cue the round ball rock.
2: Let's go! Two, three, four. (laughs) Basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball, because I'm going to go get it! Basketball, give me, give
3: me,
0: give me the ball, because I'm going to go it! And let's play the NBA
1: name game. Chad, start us off. All right,
2: ladies and gentlemen. Wait, should I be like the Chicago Bulls guy? And now! Starting at point guard, you have either fat lever or slick watts.
3: Ooh. Sat lever? Fat Fat. at fat lever or (laughs) slick watts.
2: I'm pretty sure it's lever and not lever.
3: Is it F-A-T or P-H-A-T? No, no, it's not pretty hot and tempting. It's fat. Like, <laughs> yeah, all right. All right. Wouldn't it be great if you got the option? Like you're you're sitting at a Cavs game and you're like, okay, starting at forward, either this right. person yeah. or this Right. You got to cheer for who you want to go first. Right.
1: Fat. I leader? can promise you I would have never voted for Chris Mim.
2: I'm pretty sure it's fat leave, lever and not lever. It is fat lever. It's fat, Leaver. Leaver. It's fat
1: lever. Our and he gets, he gets my vote. Fat I, Lever gets my vote over yeah, Slick.
2: That's an easy Fat one. Fat Lever. Let's go. Okay. Starting at shooting guard, you have, don't call me Pooh Richardson. Pooh Richardson. Or guard, shooting guard for the Washington Wizards, God's Gift a Achuya. Achu, a chewyah, God's Achu- Gift a Achuya.
1: God bless you. Mostly
2: called Gift. Everybody thought it called him God's Gift, but it was God's Gift. Julia.
3: First name, God's Gift? Wow. First name, God's Gift. Oh, no <laughs> shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh-huh. What was the first? I don't even remember our first option.
3: Pooh
2: Richardson. Poo oh, well. Wow. Richardson. It's P-O-H. all about poop. It's all about the poop. Yeah. Man, Joe, what Just do you think? you guys don't remember God's Gift. I mean, he was, he was God's Gift. You have to remember yeah.
3: him. I don't know if you could I do like Pooh Richardson, but I got to go. With God's gift. God's Ooh. gift. Okay. Ooh, you're the deciding oh, factor. You might be split here. If you guys, no wait, split, well, Joe, Chad, factor.
1: who's your? Who's yours?
2: Well, I'm the deciding factor here. Yeah, he's, if you oh, a you're split vote. Be,
1: yeah. I was going to say I think I'm a split vote. I, I God's gift is is great, but how do you vote against Pooh? <sighs> Pooh Richardson gets my vote, Chad. What, what you got to break the tie? Is
2: it, okay? Okay. Here's my thought. Here's my thought. Here's my thing. Are, did you vote Pooh Richardson because you're thinking of like Winnie the Pooh or you're like, I love to take a poo?
1: No, well, like both. Like uh, it, it hits both, it checks both boxes for me. You,
2: you know what? You know what? You know what? I'm going to go Pooh Richardson.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Can Pooh is the spelling? list. Can we get a spelling on Pooh? <laughs> P
2: O O H, like Winnie the Pooh. Okay. Like Winnie, the, like Pooh.
1: Winnie the Pooh. Okay yeah (laughs) i have to tell you as much as much fun as this already is man those the baseball ones we might have to even revisit the baseball ones because like you could like basketball guys have like nicknames that are funny or whatever yeah or like but like the baseball ones of like the early 1900s of like dicky slapcock (laughs) named that i was gonna Uh,
2: i was gonna debate on two teams it's like two teams for, for baseball because there's so many good names in baseball. We,
1: we might have to go back to baseball, but let's stick with basketball. Let's get to your next position.
2: Okay, here we go. That's small forward. You have Lace Darius Thomas. Oh, excuse me, Lace, Lace Darius. Darius Dunn. Lace Darius Dunn. And the other option is Solomon Horsekiss. Solomon <laughs> Horsekiss.
1: Yeah, I don't think like I understand that Lace Darius is a a, a unique name, but I, I don't think I, I I don't think it it fits in with like a poo or whatever. So I'm going with horse kiss.
3: Horse kiss. Horse kiss too, yeah. Okay. You feel like it's gonna be like, oh, so Solomon, it's like a biblical name, and then it's it ends with horse kiss, and I, I think I <laughs> just kinda of think out any sort of credibility there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the name Solomon Horse Kiss, you see? It's curtains for you.
2: All right. Here we go. At Power Forward, we have Vassilius Spanulus. It's a Greek guy. He played for the Golden State Warriors. Vassilius Spanulus. Or the very common name, Longer, Longer, Longer. No. No. <laughs> longer, so, yes. longer.
3: You have a Harry Potter spell or somebody that a <laughs> control V on this the certificate <laughs> is Spanieless. That's right.
1: <laughs> uh, no, the obvious and clear choice here, I think, is longer, longer.
3: Longer,
2: longer, longer. Yeah. longer. Yeah, it's not longer. There we are. There's so many
1: contexts there.
2: It really is. It really is. At center, you have Portland Trailblazer Ruben Boomjay Boomjay or Yui Blob. Yui <laughs>
1: what?
3: Blob.
1: <laughs> no, no.
3: I will say, Yui, can oh. we make Longer Longer our center? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like that would
4: just be
3: the most dominating <laughs> name as a center. What's your name? That's oh, longer, I longer. like that. Yui
1: Blob. What I can was what's Boom J Boom Jay's first name again? Reuben. Oh, don't call that's me a good started. first name. Mm. Boom Jay, Boom Jay. Reuben drones. Yeah. Oh man, I'm having a hard time with this, Joe. What are you thinking?
3: I like I like Reuben. I like Boom Jay, Boom Jay. That's fun. I would I mean, love I to be the play-by-play guy saying "Boom Jay, Boom Jay." I did say Tree Rollins, but like that's like, eh, it wasn't as fun. It didn't seem as fun
1: to me. Yeah. I am also going to go. I think. How do you beat Boom Jay, Boom Jay? As far as just
3: uh-huh. Boom Jay, Boom
1: Jay. You know, Blob blob had me thinking for a minute, but then, Joe, you brought up a good point. Like, if you were the play-by-play guy and you were just like, boom-jay, boom-jay, backs him in, boom-jay, boom-jay with this boom-boom, boom-jay, boom-jay boom boom ducks it on me. Like, what
3: is happening?
1: Oh, my God. I like dude, that. boom-jay, I mean, boom-jay boom is a dunk call. Like, boom-jay, boom-jay, boom-jay's it! <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love it. Right? Boom-jay shakalaka.
2: Yeah, right? Okay. All right. So, I'm just going to assume the guys we didn't pick are going to be on our bench, okay? You know? So, so sure. we have we have to fill out the rest of our bench here, guys. There's two more. I spots. mean, there's there's the there's the classic bimbo coals. I uh, 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 I mean, but so he's on our bench. Let just so you know, just so you know, just so everybody knows, our bench right now is Slick Watts, God's Gift Lace Darius Dunn, Vasilis Spanulus. <laughs> uh, something Harry Potter did. Uh, and ooey and blob so let's finish out our bench I've got five names here we need to finish out our bench with you can pick two you have the classic man with the incredible handles I mean this guy had incredible handles God Sham God God Sham God had incredible handles you're looking at the man who didn't really sleep but they decided to name him Sleepy Floyd Sleepy Floyd is one of the others ones. Now this guy would have been a terrific baseball player name, but he just seemed like a bench player to me in the NBA. Chubby Cox, Chubby oh, Cox no. is is an. Uh, is an <laughs> then you have Popeye Jones. Popeye Jones. I mean, oh. um, Popeye and,
1: Jones. just one of the ugliest dudes that has oh, ever man. played a sport. God.
2: And then and then to round things out, we have our first Native American name. Our first Native American name. I don't know if you guys are ready for this. Chief Kicking Stallions Sims. Chief Kicking Stallions Sims.
4: To round Wait out our a name. minute.
2: Yeah. Wow. Chief Kicking Who Stallions. the hell is that? That's his real name. Chief Kicking Stallion Sims. Mm -hmm. When did he play basketball? My Indian name is runs with logs between his legs, but this guy is Chief (laughs) Picking Stallions
1: Sims. Hold on. Wait a minute. Now I'm conflicted because I was like. Listen, he
2: wasn't an NBA player. He was a professional player in Europe, but he was a professional player.
1: uh, uh. Europe or Mexico, something like that. Chief? Chief. Kicking Kicking stallions. Stallions. Oh, this guy plays like now. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my lord. Uh, Okay. Well, I I would love to pick Chief Kicking Stallion Sims, uh, but I think it's got to be a guy that played in the NBA. Okay, fine. So, so I am I'm I'm disqualifying Chief Uh, Kicking Stallion Sims. Although greatest name to ever play international basketball (laughs) might be Chief Kicking Stallion Sims.
4: Yeah.
1: So. I I was going into it thinking, man, Chubby Cox has to just be on the bench.
2: Sure. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah. Right. Like that's the one of those names that just has to be.
2: Did you not understand what I'm saying there, though? Like he was, he's like, he seemed like a good MLB player, but that name seems like a bench player in the NBA.
1: Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. So, so we got one more spot to fill Joe of, of the other few names. What were you, what, what, which one stood out?
3: Why don't you be the remainder? So first, second and fourth, one more time.
2: Popeye, very ugly Jones, Chief Kicking (laughs) Stones.
1: No, he's disqualified. Just the other three. No, just Uh,
2: the other three. Popeye Jones, Sleepy Floyd, and God Sham God.
3: It's going to be God Sham God.
1: Yeah, that
3: was my vote. It's going to be God Sham God.
1: God Sham God. God. Okay. And and Chubby Cox.
3: (laughs) Chubby Cox.
1: Here we go.
2: Okay, guys. And just to round that out, guys, starting at point guard, we have Fat Lever. Starting at shooting guard, we have Pooh Richardson. At small forward, Solomon (laughs) Horsekiss. (laughs) At power forward, welcome on the very elongated Longer Longer. And in the middle at center, Ruben Boomjay. Boomjay. That's the starting lineup for our garage beers. All-name team in the NBA.
1: I think that's the worst NBA team. Like, none of oh, them no. were any good. Yeah. Pooh wasn't that bad, was he? Like, Pooh and Fat weren't that bad, were they? <laughs> no, Fat Lever was pretty decent. But, <laughs> yeah. but like, the re- Popeye Jones was even on the list. He was horrible. <laughs> I, know, I know.
2: Uh, and you know. You know, the thing is, when I started researching this, I, like, I researched, like, I, I was, since it was, since it was, so, like, since there's so few positions, unlike the MLB, I was hoping to get like three or four names to choose from, but then I couldn't find like <laughs> funny names in other positions. So that's why I had to like make those like, oh, this is, these are bench players.
1: Listen, I love the work you put into it. It's incredible. And, and I'm well, looking I forward to your to search name-
3: history as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Chad, mind telling us why uh, on your work computer you uh, were Googling Chubby Cox?
2: <laughs> chubby Cox? Oh,
1: that's okay. It's famous foot porn.
2: Um, anyway. Uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, listen, I look forward to what we're going to do with the NHL. I look forward to what we're going to do in the NFL. Yeah. And it like, like with the English premier league. Yeah. Like I'm looking forward to all of it. Listen, I, uh, have no,
2: I have no idea if I'm going to even be able to pronounce the names in the NHL, but.
1: Oh yeah. Right. No, <laughs> you're going to be like, you're going to be like, uh, Oh God. When chance, the rapper was on set, we're going back to Saturday night live. Cause that actually is one of my other favorite all time skits.
3: That's a reason when,
1: yeah, when he's the, when he's the reporter. Yeah. As they say in hockey, Let's do that hockey. <laughs> uh, that's your a, last name that's is a K, a, K yeah. a J. Yeah, Now that's going to be a no from me. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of consonants and not very many vowels. <laughs> uh, all right, so we've got our all our all MLB name team. If you if you haven't seen it, it's all over our so, or it's on our social media. Just look back a little bit. We'll have the all NBA name, name team up uh, as we just named it tonight. Uh, but that's going to do it for us here tonight. So, uh, uh, guys, great episode. It was so good to have our buddy Bull on. Thank you to Andy Bull Barch. Listen to Andy Bull Barch uh, on WEOL in the afternoons, Bullseye in the afternoon. Um, if you don't pick up WEOL where you live, you can get it on the WEOL app or on their website. Um, so, thank you to Bull for coming on, giving us some good stories about his past, about the great, the great, uh, the great Home run call, uh, which is phenomenal. One thing I didn't ask him that should be said here, uh, his name is Andy Bull Barch. Everybody wants to know why he's named Bull. Well, if you remember the TV show Night Court that I remember from growing up, we watched it like every time it was on in my house. Uh, there was a character, and he was the bailiff on Night Court named Bull Shannon. And Andy Bull Barch lo- is like the spitting image of yeah. Bull Shannon. Oh, so they <laughs> named him Bull uh, in, in tribute to bull Shannon from night court. So thank you to Andy bull for coming on. Uh, and again, just, uh, just for you, if you're listening, uh, if you wouldn't mind, give us a, a rating, giving us a review, uh, get over to our social media pages at the garage beers on Twitter, look up the garage beers podcast on Facebook and then, uh, at garage <laughs> Underscores beer underscore pod on Instagram. Uh, give us a follow on those, uh, if you like what we hear and, uh, uh, another exciting guest coming on next week. Another, another play-by-play guy. We'll have a lot of baseball talk next week. Hopefully there'll be some more news, but we're really excited to have, uh, Indians play-by-play man, uh, Jim Rosenhouse will be joining us next week on the podcast. Guys, what else do you have for us before we leave?
2: I mean, there's a guy, I mean, I was already looking up funny NHL names. There's a guy who played 12 games for the Blackhawks in 1946 and 1947.
1: Yeah. His name was Harry Dick. <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll get some good ones. Why, you, why are you spoiling this? <laughs> Don't spoil it. We well, have to do that. that sounds
3: the, like a when we start the NHL season. I'll be
1: on a Day. <laughs> that sounds like a weird British dessert. Harry Dick. What's the, isn't there a British dessert called like spotted dick?
2: Yeah, like spotted dick and like yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: spotted owl. It's like a dessert. Yeah, that sounds spotted delicious.
3: Wow. <laughs> All
1: right. Well, for Joey, for Chad. Uh, And again, for our, our special guest, Andy Bulbarch, I'm Michael Keefe saying thank you for tuning in to episode 13 of the Garage Beers podcast. We will see you same time next week. But until then, cheers, everybody.